be appropriate for someone of your stature to be doing on a prank video. Well, one of my favorite channels the other day, they decided let's call an exterminator. And when he gets there, we say there's there's something in the living room, and the exterminator got in there, and there was a bear in their living room. Oh. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, okay. So. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Steven, it's kind of an emergency podcast episode. (laughs) I I suppose. I'm sitting here. We've had... (laughs) What an emergency. We've had a long day of... I don't know. We probably put down five hours of video content. Yeah, let's... I think people would be interested to know what's going on with us. Why don't we start there? Well, first of all, we're on the front... We're on the front range. That's what they call it here in Denver, Colorado. Oh, then you know more about nicknames of ranges than I do. I think it's called the front range because it's the the front edge of the Rockies. Okay. What's the back edge? I guess it depends on which direction you're coming from. I don't know. Maybe it's where I am in in Utah or something. Okay. But The point is, we're in Colorado. We're in Colorado. We... I feel like we had a long day. I do too. I just, I don't know why I feel that way because you did all the work, but I feel that we had a long day. I I don't know. I guess because when I spend the day thinking, 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 even if it's just evaluating, and even if I never speak my opinion out loud, but I've spent the day thinking and evaluating, it tires me. And that's where I find myself today because I was evaluating all day long. That's true. There was many times where I did something today and you said, nope, do it again. (laughs) Well, maybe we should talk not in a recording session about, you know, hurt feelings or... No, I'm not hurt. I appreciate the firm correction and the (laughs) desire for excellence that the Lord put in your heart. Okay. Uh, I'm not mad at it. Okay, well, let, let's just tell the people why it is that we find ourselves in Colorado. That might that might help contextualize. We're here for m- multiple reasons. One is because we have clients in this state. Yes. And it's always good to spend physical time with clients face-to-face. Yes. Two is because frequent guest on the podcast, Jeremy Pryor, and his buddy Jeff Bethke host a gathering his band of merry men. They host a gathering of business owner dads a couple times a year, and I'm going to be attending that in another part of Colorado uh, tomorrow. Okay. And three, because other frequent guest of the Abraham's Wallet podcast, Jeff Davenport, yes, and and myself decided it might be of value to film a series of videos on simple money questions that guys tend to have and it's not abraham's wallet we didn't talk for an hour about 401ks we did mention 401ks and we covered them in about three minutes yep so this is just a totally different flavor we'll let you guys know when we when we get these things shipped i don't know if it's going to take two hours or two years to edit them up it feels like a i don't either i think it might take a couple of months before they're they're ready to go but I'm excited about yeah. some of the stuff we got out there. And yep. at very least, 
it's something that we think could be interesting to share on social media. Yeah, watch like our that. channels. Watch our social channels and look for it to drop. Look for this video series to drop on our social channels. I'm hoping that this is our gateway where we transition into from the big time a financial podcast into doing pranks oh, on YouTube. Oh, yeah. I would love to be for a little while at least one of those guys who makes their living doing pranks and, da, 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 and put all the comedy sound effects in there boing, 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 boing. no I, I'm more like just the, the dudes who you're like these guys are just 37 year old teenagers that go do stuff that's hilarious and film it and put it on YouTube not okay. like America's Funniest Home Videos where the cat falls in the toilet and it's like <laughs> Like, okay, tell me something genius and incredible that would be appropriate for someone of your stature to be doing on a prank video. Well, one of my favorite channels the other day, they decided, let's call an exterminator. And when he gets there, we say, there's there's something in the living room. And the exterminator got in there and there was a bear in their living room. Oh. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, okay. So, well, that's what I like. Okay. All right. So... Um, yeah, so you can look forward to eventually some some video series of us dripping out that, uh, well, we think we covered, as you said, we covered broad subjects and we cover them, uh, we do an overview, but they're kind of an inch deep on these videos and we don't, have, we didn't have the time there that we do in this forum to, to get into the, the deep details on any given yeah. issue. Um, but that's not what we're here. It's not what we're here for this evening to talk yeah. about. Because as we were driving home, we were listening to a bonus episode of the Mars Hill podcast that's taking the evangelical and exvangelical oh, world by storm. <laughs> so here we are to record thoughts on the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Okay, so this, if you're unaware, you 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 might just. You might just turn on your podcast machine and come straight to us, and then when you're done with us, you turn it off. Now that, that'd be a t totally appropriate strategy for podcast listening. But if you're kind of aware of other podcast world stuff, um, then you might be aware of a, a podcast uh, that Christianity Today has just produced. It's titled The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, and... <clears throat> it's a sometimes um, seedy uh, look into Mars Hill uh, Church in Seattle and Mark Driscoll and that that whole world. And I know people are talking about it. People in my world are talking about it. My my friends are talking about it. It might not be obvious how the subject matter of that podcast relates into our world and the little corner of the planet that we feel we occupy on Abraham's wallet. But we would like to, uh, we'd like to speak on it. One of the reasons is because for myself, I don't care for the conclusions that Christianity today comes to. I think that we could probably agree that there are not, there were not good things happening around there all, all over the place. But, you know, it depends on which way you stick your scalpel in that you come to conclusions about what the root causes were. And um, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not just 
over the moon about the things that Christianity Today is saying in that uh, in that series, and I it concerns me. Uh, the it'll always concern me the things that um, influence and affect the the Christian culture that the people that I know and care about swim in, including including you guys, our listeners. So um, I think I kind of want to enter that enter that arena for a little bit. Yeah, and we've talked a lot about in, what it looks like to encourage fathers to run households well. That's that's our tagline, right? Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. And so a lot of what comes out of the post-mortem on this particular church kind of points back to, hey, this is really this this complementarianism that believes in specific male-female gender roles, even some some hints of patriarchy. That's what really ran amok in this church. And, right. you know, anywhere where we see that, we need to stomp it out. Oh, because it's so dangerous. You know, the kind of unhealth it can create. We need to deconstruct. Oh, yeah. They, the, love, they love that. All the things. But particularly patriarchy, complementarianism. It seems like everybody who was involved in creating this show would be in somewhat in agreement with the idea that those are bad things. Yes. And here on the Abraham's Wallet podcast, we tend to cast some of those things as good things and part of what it looks like to be in a healthy household. So that's why I think that this is a relevant conversation for us. Yeah. Well, we're, we're titling this Mars Hill Screamers and, and the Order of the Home. And so I just want to, you can talk whatever you want to here in a second, but I just want to address uh, the screamers part of it. So in, in the title sequence of the podcast, there are liberal uses of clips in which Mark Driscoll is screaming. And I think that's supposed to be a signal to us, the listener, that this guy is completely out of control. Of course, we learn later in the series that that was all planned that he was doing that he wasn't actually out of control there 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 seemed to be plenty of circumstances in which he was um but the screaming that's used uh in the in the opening segment uh when king's kaleidoscope is playing by the way how'd you feel about them using king's kaleidoscope in the I will th- tell you that that song, I, I don't know much about King's Kaleidoscope. Yeah. I know nothing about them. Oh, okay. I love that song. Okay. What, what's the story on King's Kaleidoscope? It's a very cool band, and we've liked them for a while. And our our mutual friend, uh, Michael Bosajur, introduced our family to King's Kaleidoscope, and we we, we love them. Are, so, they, are they Christian? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they, have, they have whole albums of hymns done in really cool ways. Cool. Um, yeah. Great, great, uh, great musicians, uh, cool instrumentation, the whole thing. You can hear that there's a, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a street vibe. It feels kind of tough, but there's orchestral instruments in their, in their band. They, they regularly tour with 40 instruments. So it's, it's a, quite a, quite a thing. Anyways, I had mixed feelings. I'm like, Hey, King's Kaleidoscope getting a little sunshine, get a little airplay. And then I was thinking, Oh, but I don't really want them. I don't want that song you know, used in that context. Oh, well, um, 
my point is the screamers. Okay, so there's screaming that happens, which is supposed to be a signal to us. You can you can tell in this podcast who the good guys are because they get the sweet music behind them as they're talking. They get tender, they get tender uh, piano hits behind them and pads behind them. And you know who the bad guys are because when they're talking, there's very strange um, discordant um, notes uh, played behind them and, and deep brooding sounds. And you go, this, it just makes you feel like this is not right. Um, okay. So the other kind of screaming that I wanted to wanted to mention here is the is the kind of it isn't it isn't the volume screaming that Mark Driscoll did. It's the kind of very loud complaining um, that's done by, as you said, the the people who put the messaging together for the podcast. Um, And it seems like we continue to encourage as if it is some noble act people to identify things that they think are wrong and then to complain about them loudly and to um and to bemoan the the unhealth or the lack of safety that happens for other people on the periphery not you yourself other people and so you you spend your time screaming as it were with emotion and melodrama about the way that things are and the way that things shouldn't shouldn't be and the more that you complain and the more trouble that you cause the 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 more the more righteous your your cause is so that 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 whole screaming attitude uh forgive that uh rippling sound you may have heard uh marcus pouring himself wine a little zinfandel wants to be yeah, he wants to enjoy Zinfandel as as we sit here and talk. So, anyways, um, I, I think screaming is one of the is one of the main flavors of of what's going on, which is people attaching to him every abusive, unhealthy thing that could possibly um, come from uh, someone having. Well, forgive me, uh, biblical thoughts about men and women um, and then attaching to that their own unhealth or their their own uh, the abuses they've seen in the past. And then just foisting that upon whoever is saying something like, well, God chose men to lead. You say something like that and people are going to attach to it every every sick thing that has ever happened, every abuse of men leading that they've ever seen in their lives. Or if someone says the Lord loves it when girls uh, have a gentle and quiet spirit, the, the God, God seems to love it when, when uh, women have this uh, thing in them and people start screaming and throwing, you know, someone did that to me and made me think, let feel less than. And so whatever abuse or, or misuse of any of these ideas has ever come their way, then we foist it upon somebody, never even asking the question. Right, wait a second, what's true? What did what did what did God say about this? What's God's word on this stuff? And I, I feel like some of that is definitely in the water in the way that Christianity today is portraying the whole uh, Mars Hill debacle. Yeah, for sure. There's something in the water right now amongst evangelical Christians that says, 
if certain things pop up, you can get brownie points by making sure you align yourself as hard against them as possible. And I don't know if we'll get into it, but I think there's some really, really legitimate critiques of Mark Driscoll. Of course. Not just how he carried himself, but of specifically like his theology, things he said, all sorts of stuff. Oh, yeah. But so I, I don't really want to defend him. I think there's there's actually value to this podcast and some of the things it points out. Yes. Um, but you're right. There's such a just hyper intellectualized. Well, if anyone who was really smart, they would understand that this type of thing is a part of this culture that leads to and. If you just back off like we did on our drive just now and listen to some of the stuff that's being said on there, it's like these people, they're impressing themselves with with their words and they think they're just virtue signaling so hard that they sound kind of like fools um, with because it's so obvious. They're just really trying to make sure everyone in the world knows we're on the other side of this thing that it's not that's not culturally acceptable right now. And I think that's kind of a bad look for a believer. It is. And the, the thing that we just heard um, today, and there were shades of this in, in other episodes, is, is how, um, how the podcast sets itself up as being sophisticated, progressive, and worldly-wise by giving lots of platform to people like Josh Harris, who would talk about deconstructing their faith as if it is this noble pursuit. It's an intellectually honest thing. Um, anyone who would, who would speak against patriarchy as if we all don't, we all know that's the worst thing in the world. Okay, sure. We know that. Speaking of um, deconstruction as if it's the it's the most healthy, um, it's the it's the most cautious, it's the most prudent way that you could take to walk through deconstructing one's faith and throwing one's arms around one's doubts. And and I take offense at that. I think that's one of the one of the things that I, I, I just wanted to put a pin in, um, as we're sitting here talking today and going, those things aren't righteous. It's not, I'm not impressed. If you give airtime for somebody who walks away from the Lord and says, I I don't want, basically, I don't want the salvation that was offered to me. I'm not impressed. I I don't, I don't cheerlead the, the airtime given to those folks. You want to talk about the, the meat of kind of the podcast sure when i listened to especially early mark driscoll i was a fan of a lot of what he was saying now it is concerning that multiple times in his ministry life publicly he has decided to take the exact opposite position of some of the positions he took but yeah i know people who were like right on his closest closest staff and they've told me you know most of what you're hearing and the way he's being painted in this podcast is 100% accurate. Like the guy wouldn't even hear it if he was challenged or critiqued by anyone. Right. Particularly um, men. But if you listen to the podcast, there's plenty of stories of women in his crew that brought something up and 
he lost it at them too so it's not just a, a male thing but no he, it's an ego thing he espoused he, what he claimed was this version of masculinity that was all about let's protect women let's be super assertive let's storm the gates of hell take responsibility yeah and it sounds like there's there's ways in which he did that and it actually had really good positive impacts on guys lives we know that it did right however um he his masculinity was kind of this uh version of have you seen the white knights that whenever somebody gets accused of some sort of toxic masculinity there's these guys that kind of crowd around and say oh i'm here to i'm here to speak up for that girl you you don't talk to her like that uh do you know what i'm talking about yeah wasn't that a wesley snipes eddie murphy movie white knights <laughs> i don't know that's not what i'm talking about oh, okay but, uh, yeah i i you, i know what you're talking about the 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 kind of modern masculinity thing that's been branded white knights yeah is we, it's performative uh-huh. for let me show you how much i'm on the side of the women who i want to like me right um and so driscoll he rants about masculinity but it's this sort of white knight machismo that's very performative right hmm. he makes a big show of how i'm a i'm a man that blah 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 oh yeah and it seems like anytime real masculinity i'm gonna punch him in the nose yeah <laughs> right anytime real masculinity shows up and maybe we should sidebar for a second and okay. i'll tell you i think real masculinity oh uh, it has to be listen to this everybody i think it has to be expressed and tested in groups of men so it stands to reason it's very hard for real masculinity to exist in a way that when groups of men get together and look at some dude they go yeah i know that lots of of people are are saying well what what a man you're you're being here but we don't think that you're really displaying good masculinity in this point well it seems like that's that's I'm down with that. That's what happened with Driscoll. Is anytime real masculinity shows up, so groups of men came around him, specifically those who would oppose him, right? Right. He would shun it and run away. And for him, because he was in charge of this big organization, run away was pretty easy. I can just fire everybody yeah. and shun them that that disagrees with me. So, I mean, we can get into this or not complementarianism which is one of the things that mars hill church really drove uh, it was one of the champions of complementarian theology um, which is something i had never heard of honestly until i guess the mid to late 90s when they made it a thing only to find out that like the, the gospel coalition etc had made these doctrinal statements about complementarianism i didn't yeah, so we can take two seconds to just ex- describe what the word means. Complementarianism is a word used to describe a whole set of theological positions around gender in Scripture. And in the kind of 80s and 90s and 2000s, what it usually meant in a church, if they said they were complementarian, is that they had specific positions on what roles in ministry men and women were allowed to fill and they were different so there were certain roles often pastor elder uh, that were reserved for men and everything else was available for women and it was often very limited 
to gender roles within church and okay. gender roles in ministry. Usually where I've run into people who are really, I'm a complementarian. I would say there's often, not always, a pretty shallow theology of gender there. That's, I, I agree with that. So it doesn't go deep all the way to the bottom of why would there be any differences in gender roles and what is, what, where does it start? Does it start in the church? And it's just like, once I walk through these doors, I have a different role. Um, and you know, egalitarianism is kind of the foil to complementarianism. It says that all roles are open to either men or women. And both of them would get into sticky, sticky water when you said, Okay, let's imagine that I do am an egalitarian and I know people personally who are egalitarian. They think this is kind of what the scriptures say and I know that these are people who are doing their best to to interpret the scriptures and follow Jesus. I also know a lot of people who hold an egalitarian position who I'd say they're doing their best to twist the scriptures. So you this isn't a judgment where somebody falls on this question uh, of of their legitimacy as a, an honest an honest handler of scripture however um, I think these positions get really weird when you say if you're an egalitarian and you would say okay I think a woman can hold a position of authority in the church like elder well if if my wife's an elder at my church the the scriptures have a lot of very clear things to say about what what authority that role contains. Yeah. So when I walk through the doors of the church, is she now in charge in, in a position of headship over me, even though we all pretty much agree that at home there's, there's an order and a, you know, there's a call to submission and authority inside of marriage. You know, some egalitarians would say, yeah, we still think that that holds. And others would say, no, we don't. We think that, that there's a, there's a, um, mutual submissiveness that has to happen. Uh, so a lot of weird stuff and tricky waters. We could do 10 episodes on this. Um, but I think that the, the, the upshot of how this relates to Mars Hill is complementarian. Complementarianism really focuses on the role a man is supposed to have in the church usually. Whereas, more holistic patriarchy, I think, uh, forces a man, instead of thinking about what role am I supposed to have, to develop character that creates the family or church or even city that he wants to lead. So I think those are pretty dramatically different domains. And that's why when you say, well, complementarianism, it kind of just focuses over here on church stuff. Um, I think that's a lot of what happened in in the Mars Hill community is that complementarianism was really the drum they beat often. There's gender roles. Yeah. And 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 clearly Mark Driscoll talked to guys a lot about step up, man up, be a man in at home in your relationships, lead your wife. But they didn't really put the authority onto guys or the responsibility that said, you need to develop the character that creates the types of, first of all, internally to yourself become the type of disciple that is worthy of leadership and then maybe expand that to family and try leading your family well and create the environment in the household that would be uh, the type of household that you would want to lead and would want to follow you right and then maybe maybe if you're successful there 
you could you could have some leadership in a church setting. Right. And, and that's exactly what the scripture says. It yeah. says start internal, uh, fix yourself. Yes. And then maybe you'll be put in charge of, of a home, and then maybe you'll be, be be nominated and qualified to take leadership in the church, and someday you'll rule cities if you keep doing yeah. well at this. So. It seems super uh, oversimplistic to run around uh, huffing and puffing. Uh, Dudes are leaders. Just, just lead, 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 lead. And if you've only got five seconds to speak to a guy, I guess that might be one of the things you would say. Lead better, take responsibility. But it's really not. It's really not the whole story. I know plenty of guys that I would not just walk up and anoint them and say, just be in charge of more things. I would think, no, you need to get humble. You need to repent. You need to get broken down, become a slave of the king, and start uh, letting him entrust you with more. That, that's, that's the pattern that sons take, right? That's this pattern that sons take, is that they submit to father, they start following father and then father starts giving them increased responsibility and they find themselves as qualified leaders. So we are what we stand for. I, I don't think we're down with either of those uh, models, um, complementarianism or egalitarianism, as much as I understand about those concepts. What I think that we can definitely say that we stand for is patriarchy. Patriarchy means that um, fathers take care and that fathers lead things. So that's the whole point of this. That's the whole point of this little podcast here is trying to equip fathers to run things. And man, the, when I come across fathers who lead things well, and I see, gosh, you, you run your family well, and then, and you've run your own life well, and then you've run something like a business or a part of the business that you're in charge of. Well, it seems to me like, well, you should be in charge of other things too. You should be in charge of groups of believers together, et cetera, et cetera. That those things build on each other. And, and in case me even using that word uh, irks anybody, I just, I just want to tell you that the scriptures is why, how we make these decisions. I don't look around my life. See if I can get what, what I think of all the men around my life. Yeah, do I think that... If I put them all together, that men are trustworthy or men should be leading things. That's not how I make decisions. We go to the scriptures and look at God's model. He describes the order of the home. We can look at who he has chosen to to be leaders in the faith all the way back from the first father to Moses to Abraham. I'm sorry, that's wrong order, but um, to to the disciples, to the apostles uh, to the early church and it's no it's there's no mistaking the pattern that the lord has is the one that we're talking about here so that's that's where we stand on things but i think we have a much more um nuanced and heart path to leadership than well than a, than a screamer like driscoll recommends yeah and what i would say because what what i really don't want people to hear is well the bible says guys are supposed to lead so sorry guys are supposed to lead that's not really what i think we're trying to say here i'm saying 
that if you look at what happens when leadership structures go really sideways, like they did at Mars Hill, one of the main causes was because you had a guy who was in a position of authority who had no sense of, I need righteous fathers over me who, you know, when yeah. most of this stuff was happening, Mark Driscoll was in his late 20s and early 30s. He was a young guy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, man, this could have been, It's I don't know if it would have, it could have gone a lot differently if he had had men around him that he gave authority to say, hey, you call me out when I'm stepping outside the lines. And any good father would have grabbed him by the scruff and been like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. This is this is junk. You're leading people the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think this is a scenario where um, good fathering is the solution to bad fathering. That's exactly right. And, you know, th- that doesn't mean it's exactly what you said. Walking up to a guy who's unprepared and saying, well, I don't know what your deal is, but you need to just take <laughs> the reins and drive, even though you don't know how to steer. Yikes. Um, that That's disaster. And that's not what we're saying at all. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of really evil patriarchy in the world. Of course. Um, so that's where I tend to distinguish the, the biblical picture of fathering from what, you know, the, there's people who are railing against patriarchy that you and I might say, oh, that's not really our people, but they're making good points. Yeah. Because they're pointing at systems and abuses uh, abuses and that are happening inside of families control. and churches in whole countries yeah. where women are treated poorly they are their gifts are definitely not able to be expressed and it's evil that's not what we're after we're actually we actually think that there's a good medicine for that which is the biblical model that's Um, right and so i I learned long ago that the spirit of religion subjugates women and anywhere if you want to if you need to kind of like sniff out is this a religious spirit that i'm looking at here look at how it treats women Hmm. because we are collectively the bride of Christ. And what the Lord does is out of his mercy, he, if we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, James 4.10, I believe, he, he lifts us up well beyond what we deserve, well beyond what even we would, you would say that we're capable of. But he honors those who honor him and he honors his bride. And we're all looking forward to a wedding day when there will be this this wedding of the the wedding feast of the lamb and there is an honoring that happens with the bride that's part of the it's part of the god story it's part of the christian story and so anytime you smell there is a subjugation of women and, and there is a demeaning of women and it's part of a culture you can be sure that it's a religious spirit and it's not of god yeah that's really good it's weird listening to that podcast because, like, you have access to things you don't really have any business listening to. And you're like, well, I, I wasn't in these meetings, and I'm kind of being brought into these backroom meetings. And it feels very, like, gossipy to be, to, to be in there. And I, I really struggle with that, even the, the very first episode that I listened to. Um, and I've tried to listen, and they tried to posture it this way. Are there lessons to learn? You see some of these strange abuses of power we hear we hear both uh driscoll and and bill hybels talking about how they're 
their their little organization they've put together is as bill hybel says the hope of the world yeah. you like what is the, what is the megalomania that creeps in when you are in charge when you feel that you are leading I don't know, 20, 30, 40,000 people. What happens to the chemistry in your brain? I don't know. It doesn't seem to be great. What happens to you? We, I, I was talking to a pastor uh, a couple weeks ago who was very familiar <laughs> with the Mars Hill situation. Uh-huh. I knew a lot of the people in that podcast. And he told me, you know, I just said, hey, do you think there's really any possibility of staying really faithful and being also leading a church of the size that we're talking about 20, 30, 40,000 people. And we didn't come to any conclusions, but Hmm. given that you've been in that scene (laughs) before, um, and you and I have been around that scene. I mean, that was the church I knew growing up. There was a bass lake on right. campus. <laughs> yeah, I think there was twelve basketball courts. Um, and crazy. Do you think that 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 it's even possible uh, to stay um, centered and and unified on good doctrine in a setting like that? Oh boy, or is that okay. something we put a pin in and talk about on a future episode? Well, I'm happy to I'm happy to opine, but I just want uh, there should be a sound effect here. This is a warning sound to go. This is just speculation and opinion on my part. Okay, so I'll always think of Abraham Lincoln's quote. Abraham Lincoln said, "Most men can stand up under all kinds of adversity." If you really want to test a man's character, give him power. Now, we know it's a fact that somebody could maintain integrity and a heart towards God while leading a whole bunch of people, even up to, let's say, oh, I don't know, six million people. If you're Moses leading God's people through the desert, we know that if you're staring at the face of God often enough, we know that there is some character that could withstand power and and uh, fame, if you will, because everybody would have known Moshe. I, I think that it is the way that things are currently set up in modern churches. There is the superstar pastor who speaks most weekends, so he is really the singular spokesman. He, he might have some veto power on some, somebody else occasionally speaking, but it's, it's him. He's the star. And also behind the scenes, he operates as the guy running, running things or, or the power in an organization leads up to him. And for whatever spiritual network you know, I know there was an, the, the Acts 29 scene and all that around Driscoll. But at the end of the day, as you said, he was alone and he could he could trump whatever was happening in any room. He could say, no, it's not going to happen that way. I do some backroom shenanigans and those three guys are fired, etc. I I don't think it's possible that if you are the king of the hill, no one can challenge you. You're, 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 not, you're not one of these men who's in a gang of equals 
and guys who can call you out and challenge you and they can they have the 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 unilateral right not to make a suggestion to you but you've given them authority in your life they can yank your chain and stop you on a dime if they declare it um if you don't have that i i don't i don't i don't think there's a hope of getting out unscathed it's an interesting it's a theory interesting theory i think i haven't yet seen an example where it's not true so i I tend to agree with you but I don't know. We'll keep we'll keep looking for what the Lord's oh, up to man. in all these church organizations in the world. I believe the future of the church is not these huge mountains and on the top of it there's one famous guy. I believe the future of the church that can make it to the very end is increasingly decentralized and church HQ will be in living rooms. That's what I think. Not that there won't be bigger gatherings. I believe that there will be continue to be gatherings, but like if we were to, if this living room that we're sitting in right now, it, 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 well, we just saw one last night as a gathering of the church. If this group got together with a larger group and got, got together in a stadium to do worship and whatever else, that would be a picture of the gathering of the body, but the people that meet in this living room wouldn't submit to whoever's running the the stadium meeting. So I believe in those larger meetings, but I believe that the authority of the church, the the, the eldering that we see, we've talked about eldership at at length. Those things are home based authority, and it's about men and gangs. And so I guess if you, uh, gangs, maybe not, not, not be a good word, but you know, tribes or bro groups or whatever you want to call it is just men that they rub shoulders with equals and guys can push them around and say, you have a problem here and call each other to repent and pray for each other. And that kind of thing that, that keeps us in a, in a good, um, situation, I think. Um, so I think if there's one thing that any of us could could take away from uh, Mark Driscoll's story, it's that like there, but for the grace of God, go I. Yeah. I know that we all try to make ourselves little stars in our own little world. I want to be famous in my own little way. I want to I want to drift over my scene, and that we've got to. You have to make a decision. It has to be intentional that you find some men that you trust, you open your life to them, you're transparent before them and you submit yourself to them partly because you have a, you have a godly fear of what I could become if I just shut out every voice that disagrees with me. I think we could all become that, right? Yeah. I think that's a great takeaway is you could actually disagree with most of what we just said around complementarianism and egalitarianism and all these isms and how the church should be structured. But I I think it's really important that for, forget about people in leadership, famous people for us individually, as we're trying to run families and, and cultivate cultures inside our households, we've got to, and we've talked about this on the blog before you should have a board of directors for your, for your life, which would be people who get to see behind the curtain and the real stuff and they can make corrective, uh, statements to you that you will receive. And so that's that's critical whether you're Joe Schmo that just has 10 friends and lives in small town America or if you're running America's largest megachurch. And I think this is an instructive case to just encourage us all to go get some of that. All right, guys. Well, 
feels like we ended on a, a fart bomb here at the end. So I, I hope it's not a downer as we're kind of talking about these things. But we think that they deserve a little attention. Um, and I think that what happens in Christian culture culture um, is worth noting, right? Well, you know, I want to say if it feels like this is a downer, I, I don't think it is. Okay. I think go back and listen if you haven't or if you could use a refresher. We did an episode a few months ago on how to build a good guys group. Yes. And I've been sharing that a lot this month. Uh, I've shared it with a bunch of our clients uh, and I have even shared it with women and said, I don't know exactly how the tweaks happen, but I think for the most part, this is just applicable to what it would look like to have a great group of women that met together too. Um, And that's the type of thing we're talking about. High challenge environments where there's lots of transparency and calls to action. And I actually would say it's exciting and fun and it's not like a downer. So to hear you say this is a downer. All right. Well, it's all the warnings of you could fall if you don't blah, blah, blah. No, I just think there's a lot of life in just being like, oh, good. I don't have to be the the Lone Ranger. I can open myself up to others, whether that's financially or with my spiritual life or with my marriage or whatever. Um, that that can be really, really just like a, a big exhale. Like, oh, okay, thank God I don't yeah. have to be a poser like, like Driscoll was. <sighs> Great. All right. Thanks for thoughts. Yep. See you around. Yeah.